Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today we are joined by nobody, it's just me. Um, at some point soon, I do I, I do want someone on the cast with me again. Uh, I miss people. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry about that ding, made me realize I need to put my phone on mute. Um, Luna is lying down on the floor looking at me longingly, so this will be on the shorter end of episodes. It won't be like five minutes or anything, but it's also not going to be like an hour to an hour and a half. Um, So today we're going to talk about a movie I watched recently that that, uh, just destroyed me. Uh, (laughs) But it was utterly beautiful and fantastic uh, and it's called grave of the fireflies but before we get into that i of course want to shout out our patrons um nathan and bex thank you both so much uh you gave me coffee this morning that gave me energy which is wonderful because uh i haven't been sleeping so hot and um without getting too crazy into details that uh i've shared openly here that I've been battling anxiety and depression and it's been lower points recently and I haven't talked to anybody to anybody about it because there's not really anything to talk about so I have asked for prayer though on other podcasts episodes about that so uh if you can please continue to keep that in prayer um because this stuff ain't fun um but also due to a, a recommendation uh by our our patron and dear friend and awesome podcast host in and of herself, Bex. Uh, she kind of prompted me to do this episode and it, it is helpful. It's giving me something to focus on, getting my mind out of itself. And that's, uh, that's helpful. I'm also trying to have notes. So that's a long winded way of shouting out and thanking, uh, friends and loved ones and homies for their, uh, for their support. Um, and, the other thing I wanted to do uh, was shout out some reviewers as well. Um, I said a couple podcasts ago that we've got a number of five-star reviews, and I, I really genuinely appreciate it from people. Um, so I'm going to share those reviews now just because it, it, it's cool and it excites me. Um, from our good friend Nathan Big, or as this username is, Nate Big Red Marchan. Um, Chris is what I like to call a renaissance nerd. He likes a bit of everything. No matter what your interest, he has an insightful and entertaining episode for you. My only critique is the show needs to improve its sound quality a bit. Um, thank you so much for that, dude. And uh, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I'm trying to figure that stuff out. Um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of impromptu uh, on my phone episodes a bit lately and the sound quality has suffered and even before then I've got a couple different mics and I switched to one to get a better sound but in that it's also gotten crazy quiet and uh when you record over Skype it's and your wi-fi is not the best it's uh it's interesting um from GS Panda, it says, uh, Chris is a fantastic gent, and I haven't even met him. He does a great job of uh, presenting his personality and character in each podcast. Listening to his podcast is like sitting down with an old friend. And shucks. <laughs> Thank you so much for that review, GS Panda. Uh, from Fried Raptor says, One thing that sets this podcast apart is the positivity that Chris exudes for all his nerdy fandoms. It's so popular now to trash on shows and movies uh, 
to have something to listen to that praises our beloved fandoms is super refreshing. Oh, and he's a Christian, so all glory to God. Thank you, Fried Raptor. Um, I do try to do that. I know at times I can get um, negative. I, I try to do it in a still positive way where it's like, all right, I hate this, but I'm, I want to see if I can make, <laughs> make you laugh. And that's also something I appreciate. Um, I enjoy doing with the unmade episodes where it's like, all right, let's look at things that never succeeded and see if there's something we can enjoy in there. Um, so that's been, that's been fun. Um, and then also the other, the next review, the final review is, uh, this is a great listen on the level of listening in on a conversation between people who know and love the dynamics and elements of pop culture. Uh, to take it up a notch, this show connects with subject matter that is going to long outlive popular culture. I think this is worth subscribing to and listening to regularly. Thank you so much, Jay Wright. Um, and thank you everyone who reviewed. I really, really appreciate that. And uh, I wanted to share these reviews with you guys because, uh, well, heck, it also cheers me up while I'm down. <laughs> Um, and again, just, uh, if you, if you get the chance, please review us on Apple podcasts. Um, it helps, it helps get the show out there more. And I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I also had the opportunity to, on Monday, uh, do live video with, um, sorry, Eric from, um, Eric, your, your thing is slipping my mind right now. Um, I'm so, so sorry. I've got to quickly look it up. Um, and I know the name, but it's because I put the pressure on myself. <laughs> like, there we go, Nerd Chapel. And I knew it, and it was right there, and I'm going to edit that whole section. Um, but, yeah, I got to do live with Nerd Chapel, and we talked Star Wars books, and it was a lot of fun. And you can check out the video on Nerd Chapel's Instagram, um, and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, thank you, Eric, for uh, for that opportunity, and I can't wait to have you on my show. Um, all right, so let's get to today's topic. Today's topic, like I said, is uh, we're talking about a movie that I watched that just uh, just destroyed me, and it will destroy you too. <laughs> but I still highly recommend watching it. Um, it's one that when I have the money, I'm going to buy. But it's going to be one of those ones that I'm going to buy that I'm only going to throw on when I feel like getting emotionally uh, destroyed. Um because that's what this movie does. And it's it's beautiful. Like, it's it's so absolutely, wonderfully, tragically beautiful. Uh, so it's the, I'll say lesser known, uh, to a degree, Studio Ghibli film, Grave of the Fireflies. Um, it is based on a short story by... Um, sorry, I'm just trying to find the name, which I, I, I'm going to apologize for butchering. Um... Based by the short story by Akiyuki Nosaka, and it was directed uh, by Aisao Takahata. Um, And it's the reason I'd say the slightly lesser known um, is it was one of the Studio Ghibli movies done in partnership with someone else. I can't remember quite the details. But it's the only one that's not on Netflix because they couldn't get the streaming rights for that one, but they could for everything else. Something to do with the rights. Um, But I was able to watch it online. And bruh, 
it is a I mean, it's Studio Ghibli, so I'm I'm only now just getting into starting to watch the other the other Studio Ghibli flicks. Um, I'm just trying to find the name of the one I've got lined up. I've got it downloaded on Netflix because my Wi-Fi is not the best. Um, uh, Princess Mononoke is uh, is up next for my Studio Ghibliathon. I'm also currently watching uh, picking back up where I left off with Dragon Ball Z Kai. Um, but back to back to this, like most of the time when you think Studio Ghibli, you think relatively lighter stories um, and beautiful animation. This is this is not light at all. Um, and of course, spoilers inbound. Um, it is so it's a short story set in the city of Kobe, Japan. Um, the film tells the story of two siblings, uh, Saita and Setsuko. Um, Saita is the older brother. I think he's around 15 and Setsuko is about four years old. Uh, she's four years old and it tells the story of their desperate struggle to survive during the final months of the second world war. Um, yeah, homies, this is bleak. <laughs> like it, it, uh, I knew what was coming and it still destroyed me. There was, uh, there was so many times while I was watching this movie, like four within the first 10 minutes where uh, I out loud because of what's being depicted was like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> um, just because you're it's it doesn't hold anything back um, in its depiction. It's not glorifying violence in any way. Um, it's just it doesn't skirt around it. Either uh, it shows the fire bombings and the horrors of that. Um, as I said, spoilers inbound. Their mom has a, uh, a heart condition um, that she's taking pills for, and she ends up like on her way getting to the shelter, swept up in the fire bombings. So the kids are hiding, and then they eventually get to the shelter, but they can't find their mom. They they get relocated to a high school. Everybody does. Um, like Kobe is eviscerated and then a family friend's like you need to go see your mom and when you see her she's wrapped up in bandages you can't see her face but the little bit of skin you can see is just it's horrific uh because she's been severely severely burned um and then it's like the next morning she dies and they show the the maggots on the corpse and the flies flying around and you're just like what the hell man because you're not expecting this i mean in in the west <laughs> I think at most the scariest thing we got was like Bambi's mom getting shot and we didn't even see that. Um like it's or uh the fox and the hound which was just I'm going to make you cry with this one. Um or Littlefoot's mom dying. Like it's this isn't a kids movie. And I guess when you think Studio Ghibli, you think more family-friendly in tone. Not that this isn't family-friendly, but this this pulls no punches. This is a drama film, just in the animated form. And this made me wish we got more of this kind of thing. Um, so much with animation. Like, we're, we're getting to that, that age now, but, I mean, let's be real. In the 90s, it was either, for the most part, kids' cartoons. You'd, you'd have... 
uh, Batman the Animated Series be widely accessible. I wouldn't call that a kid's show, but it was definitely kid-friendly. More kid-friendly than this was. Um, But it was still cartoons were looked at as a medium that was strictly for children. Um, And that's, that's not the case. With the exception of stuff like your Family Guys, your King of the Hills... Your, your South Parks, and of course your your Simpsons, um, like it was either very kitty or slightly slightly mature Disney fare, um, but again for the most part target audience children or target audience adults. Um, in this case, this was a drama film that was just beautifully animated and after seeing it i'm like man i wish we did more of this and i'm still hoping that'll be the case um but you got stuff like that and i I skipped over the actually no i'm I'm gonna try not to spoil ah okay no i'm gonna spoil stuff i already said spoilers um so it the film starts off sorry i jumped ahead and now i'm jumping back uh the film starts off with a kid that you later learn is uh, you later learn is Saita um, dying of starvation in a subway um, after just a little bit after World War Two. Like that starts off on a dark note. You're like someone just died right before my eyes, and they didn't they didn't sh- <laughs> they didn't shy away from that. Um, and then. It goes into a spirit and then into a flashback of how he got there. Um, and you meet a sister who's very much a toddler, but she's four. So, of course, she's going to be. Um, man. Man, they do not pull any punches. Um, I'm trying not to... to even though I'm, I'm doing spoilers, I'm trying not to spoil too much. Um, but I just shudder to think, like, if I didn't watch the whole thing like sometimes you throw something on when you're cooking and then you're like i'll pick it up i'll just start it while i'm out here yeah don't do that with this movie uh because even though you know what's coming it still destroys you um if you don't know what's coming it's gonna wreck you even more um so yeah their their mom dies saida's not telling his sister because he wants to protect her um, and you still get moments of little moments of them still having, trying to have a childhood. Uh, they end up moving in with a, a relative who is, uh, she's the worst. <laughs> it's this aunt we think on the father's side and the father is a, a general in the, um, in the war. He's serving as the captain on a ship and okay. So he's a captain, not a general. Um, so you never see the father and he's, he's true. Uh, Saida is trying to contact him and as you live as you live with the aunt you can tell she doesn't have too much of an affection for him or his sister she looks at them as almost a burden um, and her children and husband are, are contributing to the war effort and they're just the kids are sitting around the house and she's like you need to go do stuff like why aren't you going to school and Saida's like my school got destroyed and the place I could work also got destroyed. Like, what What do you want from me? <laughs> um, and she doesn't offer any solutions. And then they go to... Uh, the kids go to a beach and you get this beautiful 
flashback to when they went as a family and it's this moments of them still having to trying to preserve their childhood innocence clearly that's not going to happen um and then eventually the the ant decides to sell some of their stuff to get more food because also everything's rations based in japan right now um like the ant just callously decides saida agrees um uh setsuko the daughter is devastated by this um also earlier in the movie there's this gorgeously sad part where Sasuko is so worried about her mom that she just bursts into tears and then Saida is like hey watch me I'm good at this and he's trying to distract her and it's not working and you're seeing like hey he's he's a great brother not necessarily the best provider but also he's an adolescent being thrust into a situation that he's not at all prepared for and you see throughout this whole movie just how much he cares for her like as his mom left, he was staying back at the beginning of the movie to get uh, his little sister out of the house. Uh, her sister dropped her doll and he went back for it. And just all this, there it's its really touching, but also, oh man, does it hit. Um, so eventually they get more... They get more food and the ants like, all right, here you go. This is like, this is your portion. And they agree. Um, and then the kids are of course still hungry. And she's like, well, you need to do more. And then the kids are like, you sold their stuff. Like this is ours. Uh, and then it's like, oh, you think I'm cheating you, do you? Uh, and then Saida uses money and buys it like to get their own food and to get their own little rice cooker and all that. And the ants upset about that. And there's a lot of emotional abuse going. Like, she is verbally abusive to these kids. To the point that they eventually leave and they decide to live in an abandoned bomb shelter. Um, and the first night is, is cute. Because um, the girl is scared and they've got mosquito nets up. And they've, they've brought in a lot of food and all that. Um, <laughs> and then a bunch of fireflies are in the, in the cave. Um, but then the next day they wake up and the fireflies are dead and Setsuko is about to bury them. And she's like, why do the fireflies have to die so young? Which is metaphor for things that are coming. Um, and then also that's when you find out Setsuko knows that their mom's dead because the aunt told them, uh, told her. And you're like, what the hell, dude? Like, of course, Saida should have, should have told her, but you get why he didn't she's she's four she doesn't know what's going on he's trying not to destroy her even more than the the world is doing um and there's that and he promises they'll the once everything's settled down they'll go visit her grave um she's not in a grave she's she was thrown in a mass grave as so many were after the the kobe bombings uh she's She's in a thing of ashes that they hope is their mom. Uh, and then as the movie movie goes, they're living there. Um, they're living out of the shelter and the food runs out. Um, Setsuko has this growing rash. So eventually he can tell she's sick. He takes her to a doctor and he's like, she's, she's malnourished. Like, all she needs is food. 
And he's like, where the heck can I get food? Because he's been buying food off of a farmer. The farmer's like, I don't even have food for me, man. Like, you just need to go apologize to your aunt. Um, and that's something that that's interesting because from everything I've read, that hit differently with um, with cultures because uh, a lot of with different cultures because a lot of people like he, he was just too prideful. He should have gone and talked to his aunt, even though we saw how emotionally abusive she was. Um, but in Japan, uh, they're a lot more sympathetic and understanding to the pride aspect of it. Um, whereas for us over in the West, we're looking at it as a little more arrogant. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, but then he, he's, uh, starts stealing. Um, he starts, stealing from farms he gets caught and the farmer just whoops his butt like Saito runs back to the cave and the farmer finds other stuff of his that he's stolen and the farmer's like i don't care that your kid your kid's sister's sick like we're going to the cops and when the cops like i know what's going on here the guy's like well good he's getting charged he's like no though i have half a mind to charge you for abuse and then the farmer like skedaddles out of there and if this was a disney movie this is where the, the wonderful police officer would adopt the kids and everything is happily ever after. That's not this movie. <laughs> um, so then this is just, oh man, Setsuke, Setsuko is just getting increasingly sick. Like you see it. Um, and then Saito is becoming more desperate. Um, he's had this tin of... This Japanese candy that she'll he'll he'll give her, especially when she's very upset. Um, so when the fire bombings are happening, he's breaking into houses, like to steal stuff that he can sell, or stealing money or whatever, so he can take care of his sister. One day he gets back. Uh, she is. You can tell she's not doing too good. Um, she begs him not to go, but he's like, I've got some stuff. I can go get us. Like I can go get you some good food. So it goes, he gets the food. He comes back. She is not good. Um, she's laying like, she's just, she's laying down. She's breathing, but not that good. Um, and she's sucking on something and you can see the worry in his face. And then he pulls out what she's sucking on. She's sucking on a marble. Um, that she thought was a candy. And then as he starts making food, she's like, would you like, like I made you a rice ball and she's hallucinating due to the malnourishment, uh, which is not a good sign. Um, it's a very, very bad sign. And he makes food, but as he's making food, he try he tries to give her stuff to eat. She, she can't move by herself. And so she starts eating the watermelon. Then you get the tragic thing of, he says, like, and Sitsuke fell asleep and never woke up. So you just watched. (laughs) You just watched this precious four-year-old girl die before your very eyes. Like, holy crap, dude. Wow. Like it, it's, it's hitting me now, even talking about it. And I watched this flick like a week ago. Yeah. Week today. Um, (laughs) and then you get like that hammer that just kicks your butt even more 
just before he does the he does the cremation. Um, oh, actually, no, there was another gut punch before. Um, as he's getting as he's trying to get the food and he's making a withdrawal from from the bank because his family had money. Um, and he's trying to withdraw some to try to get them more stuff that either he can sell or get food. Um, he finds out that Japan surrendered, um, in the world war, which threw him off and threw a lot of, threw a lot of Japanese people off. Um, like the one that they surrendered and then two of that was like no uncertain terms and all that. Um, but then he realizes that like his father's dead. So his kids lost his, lost his mother. Lost his father. Um, he's been asked several times, like, why, do, why aren't you going to live with other family? He can't get in contact with any of them. A number of them are probably dead. Um, and then his sister dies right in front of him. Bruh. Bruh. Um, and then right before the cremation, you get this precious montage of... Sitsuko just running around being so cute. So it's let's let's twist the knife even further. Uh and then you see him going into the city and then we're taken back to the beginning. And in the beginning, like I mentioned, you see who you discover is Saita die before like die before your eyes as well. Like a janitor in the subway comes across him and finds this the the tin that the candies were in and he's like, "What is this?" Um and then he tosses the tin away, and then it's almost like Saita's spirit comes out, and he is reunited with his sister. In the tin, Saita puts some bones and ash of hers. Like, bruh. This was such a gut punch of a movie. Um, I was tweeting about it and telling people, like, it is, it is amazing. It is beautiful. It all say it's a masterpiece, but it is relentless in its bleakness. Um, it's, it's a phenomenal film. It's a great war film. You can look at it as an anti-war, anti-war film. The director has said he didn't do that with that in mind. Um, because also it didn't dive into Japan being aggressive in the world war. And it also didn't go out of its, it, it didn't mention the bombings. Um, it didn't go into into the American stuff or anything like that. It was just like, this is the reality of pe- of the civilians living in Japan as war is happening. And man, it, it really hit you in so many ways. And like, it's just been something I've been thinking about after watching the movie. And I can't remember the podcast, but a reviewer pointed this out and I was like, wow, that's, that's so true. Like we, I think we in the West, like, especially in, North America, but in Canada and the U.S., like when we think of war, of course we think of the lo- like the tragic loss of life, the loss of loved ones and and family and like the totality stuff. But it's been forever since there's actually been like a war on our home front. Like we don't see the impact of you don't have a home anymore. Like when, when our people come back for the most part, they have homes to go to. Uh, and that's not diminishing any of the, 
amazing sacrifices people in service of my country and any country have made, um, or the horrific things they come back with, the post-traumatic stress and all that. Like, I'm not belittling any of this. Uh, it's just something I, this reviewer pointed out and I hadn't thought about. But in Europe, in London, in Germany, in Japan, like, if people were coming home, a lot of them didn't have a home to go home to. So they weren't just coming back shell-shocked. They were coming back to little to nothing. And if people, like the civilians were living there, uh, Germany, Japan, like, it's not only they're losing loved ones and they're losing their livelihoods and they're losing their cities um, and they're losing their homes. They're also losing in so many ways their way of life. Um, and we can, uh, there's a deeper discussion to be had about World War II that at some point I, I do want to have because World War II is incredibly fascinating to me. But even uh, Christian and I have talked about it in the past on Into the Weeds where it's easy for us to demonize Germany and Japan. Um, but there was a lot of controlled information. <laughs> there was a lot of non-truthful information uh, being spread, like propaganda, uh, actual news censoring, um, <laughs> and all that kind of thing. Like, yes, we were getting over here. Um, like, that, there was definite downplaying about the the terrible firebombing of Dresden. Like, the only reason we found out about that is because the, the uh, Axis leaked it. Um... It wasn't going to get shared over here. And there was, of course, downplaying about the horrors of the bombs in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Um, like, we did that over here. Just not to the extent that was going on in Japan and especially Germany. Um, like, these citizens were lied to. They were... A lot of things were covered up. And then a picture was painted that, of course, they'd get behind. And they're not fully aware of everything that's going on. And that's not to that's not to give credence and allowance to the horrific things that members of those nations did. Because let's not kid ourselves, those those nations, our nations, did horrific things during the war. No one's hands are clean. Um But this gave you an eye view um of people who weren't necessarily directly like the citizen of a country at war. These kids weren't doing... These children <laughs> weren't doing anything. Um, a lot of these people weren't. And you're seeing, like, they don't have a home to go back to. They don't have any family alive. They don't have a school to go to. They don't have a job to go to. And then their country is, is completely changing. And you can argue it definitely for the better. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to argue that. But let's not pretend that that adjustment isn't going to not mess with people and not be a flip on their head. So, it's something, I, it's a different scope, I think. That's what I'm trying to say. And again, I'm not trying to belittle. But when it's stuff actually happening on your, on your land, in your country, I, I, it's different. 
Uh, that's what I'm saying. And that, that really struck me as well. And I'm like, wow, yeah, no, you really see that in this movie. Um, yeah, my, my other comment is I'm like, this is like an animated version of Schindler's List. <laughs> um, much shorter and in many ways just as horrific. Because um, Schindler's List, I think, is like three hours and this is, uh, this is about an hour and a half. But both are absolutely amazingly heart-wrenching films. Um, so I, re- I really recommend this. I, I cannot recommend this movie enough. Um... Because even, like I said, even if I knew what was going to happen because I I kind of heard about it before I checked it out. Um, But even still, it hits you. Um, And it's well worth a watch. The the art was amazing. I I really dug the soundtrack. I dug every decision. And it just hits you. It just hits you on so many different levels. So I really recommend it. I'd also recommend it having some tissues or giving yourself some time to absorb what happened and then some time to watch like five or six episodes of The Office Community, something comforting just to come back from the emotional destruction that that this movie will bring upon you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I cannot recommend this movie enough. Again, it's called Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, you can find it on Blu-ray, on DVD, you can rent it on Amazon. Um, I haven't heard anything bad at all about the English dub. Um, but again, I just find 99% of the time, uh, I would recommend if you're consuming any Japanese animation, um, or work, When you can, go with the original just with English subtitles. Um, An exception might be, uh, as I'm watching Dragon Ball Z Kai, that's in, uh, that's the English dub, but the English dub is is well-received. So that one, you're okay, like, that one's okay to do. But most of the other time, people are like, hey, go as much as you can, you should go with the original language. Uh, Because then also you're getting some stuff within... Uh, the performances uh, that don't necessarily translate. Um, so yeah, I, I really recommend this movie. I can't recommend it enough. <sighs> all right. All that being said, thank you for listening to today's episode of One Cross Radio. I do hope you enjoyed it. Um, thank you again to those reviewers, our patrons. And uh, if you can, keep me in your prayers and everyone else um, as we're figuring out what's going on with the world, as we're job hunting. Um, yeah, and just also want to shout out my boy Hector from Faith and Fandom and, um, Cardboard Koinonia and everyone. Thank you all. I hope you have a wonderful day. Take care and God bless my friends. Peace.